You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. And I am thrilled to get to introduce somebody that most of you already know, and that's Reverend Dr. Mike Powers. Mike is going to be sharing the message with us today. Mike's been attending here for a long time. He is a retired Methodist pastor, and he didn't retire very well because he's back to being full-time as an elder in the GMC, and he is our conference's president pro tem. He is doing an incredible amount of work to help the conference and the denomination get off to a great start, and he's a fabulous human being. So thank you for being being here, Mike. We're looking forward to hearing your message. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, I've, I've stood here a few times over the years, and uh, most recently, I suppose, was in September when we gathered here for the convening conference of the Mid-South Provisional Annual Conference of the Global Methodist Church. And, uh, but Sherry and I are here most Sundays. I'm out about a few Sundays, but it just, this, this is home. This is home. So thank you for welcoming, welcoming us again, and uh, for Pastor Brian and Pastor Nora extending this opportunity to uh, be with you today, and appreciate Marianne's help as always, and everyone who makes this possible. It's uh, a wonderful time. I, I've mentioned to some of you, always in, when I was in active ministry as an appointed pastor, I thought of the last Sunday of the, of the year as Youth Director Sunday when he or she got to preach. So I feel better already just standing here. <laughs> so I guess Ben wasn't available today, so thank you, Ben, for the opportunity. So I want to read with you the passage for our consideration this morning. It's from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 12, beginning with verses, uh, verse 28 through verse 34. Hear the word of the Lord. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, with, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for revealing to us the heart of the matter. We don't have to be clueless as we think of what we want to become, what we want to do, how we want to uh, live our lives. You've made it so clear to us. May that be uh, refreshed in all of our hearts today. Thank you for your faithfulness, that this is what is on your heart. Lord, impart it to ours, we pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me ask a few questions here to get started. When was the last time you put your foot in your mouth? Or uh, how about this? Have you ever cut off your uh, nose to spite your face? Or how about this one? Have you ever been to a head shrinker? Uh, ever been accused of going on a head trip? 
That's an interesting one. Uh, does your right hand really know what your left hand is doing? Uh, if your heart rules over your head, when you go looking for a new car, it's likely to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> is that right? Uh, now, isn't it interesting how we use body parts as metaphors? We, we do that a lot. And uh, you take the head and the heart, for example. Uh, in the North American culture, we think of the head as, as synonymous with uh, intellect and reason, uh, and the heart as emotions and, uh, and feelings. So we want our favorite teams to play with heart. And then we yell at the screen uh, when we see them take a harebrained play and make a, a mess of it. Uh, so in a way, we say, play with heart, and then they do something stupid like that, and we get upset. Uh, and then uh, a criticism I often heard as a young preacher was, Pastor Mike, we wish you'd preach more out of your heart than your head. And they say, why don't you just forget everything you learned in seminary and just preach from your gut what God tells you. Now, what they wanted was just passion. See, they wanted passion, emotion. They didn't want this intellectual stuff. You know, it's interesting that in the ancient world, uh, the kidneys were understood as the, as the center of emotions and, and reflection and discernment and, and inspiration. Now, I'm, I'm sharing that with you today because if, if you just happen to get a kidney-shaped valentine, don't be offended. Okay? And take it as a term of endearment. That, that, you should treasure that. So. Now, in, but the Bible speaks differently. It doesn't talk about kidneys specifically, but it talks about the heart. There are over 900 references in the Bible to the heart. Now, many of those are the physical heart, obviously, talking about that. But most of them refer to the central place of our being, our true selves, who we are. Uh, it, it's the central place of, of, of your life, of, of the person you are, your heart. It's, it's very, the center of who you are. Now, that's the idea that we see in, in Mark 12 in this passage is Jesus refers back to Deuteronomy 6, 5, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your your, your, uh, your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, many times you've probably heard it taught, maybe even preached, and I, don't, I will admit that I have done it, to separate those four words out to talk about how important it is to love with your heart and then with your soul, with your, your personhood, or, or with your intellect, with your mind, your understanding, and, and then with all your energy. And that's okay, because it really does describe how important it is to be totally involved in loving. But the Hebrews really didn't think in compartments. The Hebrew has this understanding of the whole person being involved in, in a matter. Uh, thinking was not just something done with the head, it was with the whole person. It was when you thrust yourself upon something. If you thought about something, you were fully engaged in that something. Uh, if you put your heart into it, it wasn't just your emotion, it was also your, your feelings, your, your selfhood, your intellect, and your energy. It was with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your, and your strength. Uh, the, the matter of the heart, in terms of, of, of Scripture, was essential to be expressed uh, in, uh, in your full self. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this so clearly. Above all things... Guard your heart. Guard your heart. It didn't say just guard your mind, not, not guard your strength. It didn't say guard your understanding. It said guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. 
all the issues of life. The desire to be spiritually healthy, to have a spiritually healthy heart, is, is seen in Psalm uh, 25. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. The center of who I am. Relieve the troubles here. Uh, now that phrase could also be, be explained this way. Expand the narrow places of my heart. And what David was saying in that psalm was saying, heal me from spiritual angina. I, I, I'm closing in. Expand my heart. Enlarge my heart. So, <coughs> have y'all been fighting this Kentucky crud? I'll tell you. So, bear with me as I get through this. But there's this idea that that our hearts are not just limited to our understanding or to our thoughts or to our emotions, but it's our it's our experience and our expression. Psalm 119. Uh, I will run the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. In other words, I will live out what you want me to become, what you want me to do as I go into 2024 when you enlarge my heart. Isn't that interesting? It didn't say get to the gym, make re new resolutions. It says enlarge my heart. So, uh, <coughs> I warned somebody, don't drink the, the water. It's not the River Jordan, it's mine, so... Okay, now, <coughs> let me share one other thought here about the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter as a metaphor. Have you ever worn your heart on your sleeve? Yeah, okay, we've, we've done that, haven't we? Now, that refers to someone who obviously publicly displays his or her feelings uh, with <coughs> where you have no mistake of what's on that person's mind. Well, he just wears his heart on his sleeve. <coughs> now, let me say this about that. God knows your heart. God knows your heart as if you are wearing it on your sleeve. That, now, think about that for a moment. Uh, Psalm 44, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread forth our hands to a strange God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. <coughs> me, I'm sorry. Uh, First uh, Chronicles 28.9, David speaking to his son, Solomon. Solomon, my son, know the, the God of your father and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every thought and plan. Huh. So God knows our hearts as if we're wearing them on a sleeve. It's not hidden to him. Uh, our hearts are not hidden to him. Uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew 9, 4, responding to critics, why do you think evil in your heart? Gotcha. <laughs> it's gotcha. You're not hiding anything from me. And then Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? Many times we just stop that passage, that, that verse re reference. But then it goes on to say this, I, the Lord, search the mind and try the heart to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his things. Now, here's the point I'm making, is that God knows our hearts as if we were wearing them on our sleeve. God knows our hearts. One of my favorite stories is about Henry Ford, the industrialist who mass-produced first automobiles, and Charlie Steinmetz, the electrical engineer who earned more than 200 patents and built it generators for Henry Ford at his plant in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, one day those generators broke down 
and the plant managers tried their best to put everything back to order because by the minute, Henry Ford was losing money. Finally, they had to call Charlie Steinmetz in and Ford said, figure out what's going on. So Steinmetz came and he puttered around and for a few hours and then he pulled that switch and those generators kicked into action and Henry Ford was back into business. A few days later, Ford received a bill from Charlie Steinmetz, $10,000. Now, this, you got to remember, this is the early 20th century. That's a lot of money. So Henry Ford, a very rich man, but he sent the bill back to Charlie Steinmetz and said, Charlie, isn't this bill a little high for a few hours of tinkering around with those motors? And Steinmetz returned the bill, and it read, for tinkering around with those motors for a few hours, $10. For knowing where to tinker around with those motors, $9,990. <laughs> Henry Ford paid the bill. We do not know our hearts. We do not fully know our hearts. We know a lot about ourselves, but we do not know our hearts. But God does. The heart of the matter is that God knows all about our hearts. Sad hearts, false hearts, troubled hearts, fainting hearts, fearful hearts, heavy hearts, broken hearts, glad hearts, bitter hearts, confused hearts, joyful hearts, sinful hearts, lustful hearts, angry hearts, lonely hearts, stubborn hearts, hard hearts, singing hearts, every kind of heart that's in this sanctuary today, God knows your heart. God knows right where you are. God knows your heart. And, and, and he knows it as if we're wearing them on our sleeves. They're not so much obvious to everyone else, but God knows our hearts. Whether we know the condition ourselves, God knows all about us. And he knows where to tinker. He knows where to tinker. Now, that thought either terrifies us <laughs> or it warms our hearts. That thought either gives us tremendous anxiety because we think, oh, God is looking at my heart as I am. Or we have great confidence that the master engineer knows exactly what to do for me and how to help me. If I was going to give you a, a, a thought today to just take home with you about this message... I'd like for you to fill in the blank here. The matter of the heart is that the heart is the matter. In other words, the matter of the heart, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. It, that is really what is on God's mind. Because the heart is the matter to God of what God matters to him that's where the master engineer is focused on you today that's where the master engineer of the universe of all that's going on in the world what God has in mind is is to where he can tinker with our hearts he's created us and put our hearts in such a way that that is the matter of his heart and that's the matter of our hearts now let's go back to mark 12 you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, to love your neighbors yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. 
Now let's be honest, who can live up to that? <laughs> that's huge, that's overwhelming. Now that's either aspirational, say well, let's do the best we can to love God and love our neighbors as best we can. It's inspirational, say I'm gonna do the best I can in a new year. I'm gonna live out my life and I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna to try to live up to the matter that's on God's heart and please God and do the best I can. But then we come back to the fact of thinking, but it's unrealistic for me to do that with all of my heart because I'm just not able to do that. Who can live up to such a standard of loving God supremely and everyone else graciously as if we want to be loved ourselves? Well, let me give you a thought here. Would the master designer of your heart and mine create us in such a way and then command us so clearly to love him supremely, as Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, and to love one another graciously as if we want to be loved, would he get, impose that upon us if it was not possible? How cruel would that be to leave us in perpetual, relentless pursuit of something that's just going to frustrate us? Or is it possible well, I don't, I don't know to say or, or let me declare that it's possible. That's not impossible. It's, it's, it's a reality that the master engineer who created our hearts is also able to enable us to experience and express the love that we just heard sung about from the heart of God. That what God commands, he promises. And that God would not give us any command that he cannot fulfill in us. That's the gospel. The gospel really comes down to this. And that is that God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so God gives us huge command to say, love me supremely and love each other graciously. And I'll give you the, such love to do that. Now, let me say quickly, folks, that should not str sound strange to us Methodists. We've been singing about this for over 250 years. Uh, Robert Robertson wrote in 1758, Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. But I like the way Charles Wesley wrote it 281 years ago. Oh, for a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that always fills thy blood so freely shed for me. Thy nature, gracious Lord, impart, come quickly from above. Now listen to this beautiful line. Write thy new name upon my heart, thy new best name of love. Write your name love across my heart. That's what we Methodists have been singing and praying and celebrating throughout our tradition. Because God knows the heart of the matter, which is what, the condition of our hearts, we are not given concepts and precepts and, and, and commands and requirements and duties that we relentlessly pursue and strive after with a frustrating search. He gives us two commandments which are what? 
love me supremely, love one another as I love them. How do we do that? Write thy new name upon my heart. God, you have to do in my heart what I can't do for myself. I want you to give me such love. I want you to lower your electrocardiogram upon me today. And the Holy Spirit is what we call him. (laughs) And look in my heart and see how you can fill me with such love that I can love you supremely and I can love everyone as you love everyone. Is that possible? Jesus said so. (laughs) And so we pray, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart and, 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 and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked. In other words, if there's any unhealthy or an unrighteous, an un, unloving, unholy, unhelpful way in me. See if there's anything wrong with my heart and lead me in the way everlasting. Do for me what I cannot do for myself. And the Lord says, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. How easily, how easily we lose hope. You know, that, that's one of the things about, about St. Luke, you know, I love, is our statement that we are a place of hope and healing and wholeness. Isn't that wonderful? Because we so easily lose hope. We have hope extinguishers that just work overtime every day in our life just to steal your hope just to wear you out. And so we say, here's a place of hope. Get recharged, get refilled. Lord, give me a heart of hope. And and, and health, life is hard and every day our hearts are broken and damaged and offended and uh, afflicted and misused and abused. Our hearts are damaged every day. Sometimes it's our own fault and a lot of times it's just life. Lord, heal my heart. Let me be healed. And wholeness, love that word, wholeness, shalom, shalom, well-being, contentment, peace, satisfaction, to be at peace with God and to be at peace with all others. That's the possibility. One last story. I don't know how, yeah, I'm doing well, Dr. Christian Bernard, South African cardiac surgeon, performed the world's first successful heart-to-heart a human-to-human heart transplant in 1967. Uh, The patient lived only 18 days, but from that experience, they realized they could take a heart from a deceased person in the right timing and place it into a a person who had a diseased heart and replace that heart, and that person could live. And over the years, persons have lived up to decades now. It was a marvelous discovery. On one occasion, Dr. Bernard's patient had received a new heart from a, a donor, and he asked if he could see his old heart. And so the doctor brought the large bottle from the laboratory where the old heart had been placed for study, and the man looked at that big muscle that had pumped life through his body and, and had sustained him, but had, had, had broken down and was unable to, to do what it needed to do, and it was, it was killing him. 
And, and Dr. Bernard realized in that moment, that's the first time in human history that someone had seen his own heart. What a marvelous thought that was. That old heart was worn out and diseased and incapable of sustaining his life. He needed a new heart. And thankfully, there was this donor who made it possible. After looking at his old heart, the patient looked at Dr. Bernard and said, I'm glad I don't have that old heart anymore. <laughs> God not only knows the condition of our hearts, but he commands us to love him and love each other with all our hearts. And he does for us what we can never do for ourselves. He gives us new hearts. He gives us hearts of love. He gives us holy love. He gives us healthy love. He gives us healing love that makes all the difference. God can do that. God does that. That's why Jesus commanded it. And he says, I will give you that heart. I will give you that heart. God said that to the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to do my commandments, to do those 2024 20, resolutions. <laughs> I will give you the heart to do that. And you'll be careful to live according to my way. So, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. It's that simple. Isn't that nice? You don't have to have this list of things to do. Folks, it's that simple. It starts right there. God desires and is ready and willing and able to give us hearts full of love for his sake and for the sake of all that he loves. For the sake of all he loves. For his sake and the sake of all he loves. Wow. What a deal. So, this morning, as God's electrocardiogram, the Holy Spirit, reveals the condition of your heart, just ask him. The great surgeon, the great engineer, the great physician, to give you a hopeful, healthy, holy heart overflowing with his love. He does that. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. We make it so complicated, and you've made it so available. Lord, may that be our prayer today that we'll be very set on the heart of the matter, that you'll take really good care of our hearts, that that will be our passion. So Lord, guide us, search us, fill us for your sake and for the sake of all that you love. In Jesus' precious name, amen.